1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision.
0: Our special guest today and what a wonderful privilege to be back with uh, Wendy Burns who spent many years concealing wounds that she carried from the trauma of her childhood. She says her wounds were infected with shame and guilt Those wounds were hidden behind many masks, and she felt that those masks were essential for her daily survival. We're back today with author Wendy Burns. Now, her latest book is called Unmask, Stop Hiding, Start Living. Wendy Burns tells her story of finding the courage to drop those masks and allow healing to begin. Wendy Burns is also an internationally certified Maxwell leadership coach, speaker and trainer. You may remember some conversations with Wendy about her earlier book called Remarkable You. Her new book is Unmask: Stop Hiding and Start Living. Wendy, a special welcome back to 2020.
2: Ah, oh, good morning, Neil, and it's always lovely to be back with you.
0: Hey, Wendy, we're going to talk a little about masks and interesting, isn't it, that over these past few years, so many of us got used to wearing a mask on a daily basis, Uh, not the sort of mask we're usually wearing as a COVID mask that we'll talk about today, Uh, but there's lots of things we've tried to keep out of sight uh, with wearing a mask, lots of things we thought were a protection for us uh, as we're breathing the air around us. Uh, when we talk about masks, what does your masks look like?
2: Oh, it's really interesting. It's a great concept, isn't it? And it's just timing after we've been wearing masks for COVID, and and the masks that we wear are the invisible masks. But like the COVID masks that we wear, you know, the health masks to cover our face, we we wear our invisible masks to cover our pain and our hurt and our wounds, so that we can hide what's really happening inside of us. And and they can come in many forms, you know, look at me, I'm great, I'm perfect, I have the right hair, right clothes uh, for a woman, the right makeup. But then when that mask comes down, the real person that's there, the hurt and the damaged person is there. And I think, Neil, because just like, and I don't want to get into a big COVID conversation, that's for sure, uh, (laughs) but we were the world a lot of people within the world expected us to wear a mask to be to be globally a globally wise person to help others we now, have this concept that we are meant to be, to to cover ourselves, to cover our damage so that we are acceptable, if that makes sense.
0: Wendy, I'll get you to share your story in just a few moments. Uh, every time we talk, and we've had lots of fabulous conversations now, and I do often get you to recount your story, just so listeners have a little bit of context. But just before we do, we're talking about masks, and you're a woman, and I'm I'm assuming that a lot of the things that you'll reflect on are your own masks as a woman but I wonder whether as we get the conversation underway do the sorts of masks that you are talking about uh, do they apply equally to men as well any
2: thoughts here yes very very much so and some ways I don't want to say it's it's harder for men I think it's it's hard for both male and female in this situation Um, But for a a man, you know, we need to be masculine and strong. And this is what the world tells us. So we can't show our feelings Uh, where for a woman, sometimes it's easy for our feelings to leak out of our eyes, Um, where sometimes it's not so easy for a man. So I think it's an equal struggle for both and both male and female do wear a mask to cover up what's going on inside of us.
0: Well, let's come back to your story, which is a significant one that goes back into your childhood. I'll let you tell the story. It's not always easy just to bring out these things, but uh, thank you for your humility and be able to share some of these things we'll talk about today. Uh, Give us your story in a nutshell.
2: Okay, just a tiny little bit of background. My home was uh, quite extremely dysfunctional, quite dysfunctional. Doesn't cover uh, extremely dysfunctional. Both of my parents were alcoholics. Uh, violence was just every day within our home. Uh, beating on my my parents, beating on each other. My you know my father beating at my mum. You get the picture of that. Uh, when I was thirteen, um, a, a a normal process. Let me just bring it back down. A normal process was for my parents to go to the, the pub or the hotel and drink, quite often till they were so drunk that they would pass out in the gutter and they would stay there. And us as children would try and work it out or get home or the police would look after us. On this one day, when I was 13, we made it home. Um, my dad was lying in on my bed and my mum was in her room. And I was a bit of a daddy's girl, even amongst all the pain and the heartache. You still love your dad no matter what they're doing to you. Uh, And so I was a daddy's girl and he invited me. He called me into the room and he asked me to get his gun, his rifle. And I couldn't quite understand why, but I'm obedient. I did what I was told to do. And when I handed him the rifle, and this is not easy to hear, but I do need to share it, Neil, if that's okay. He put the barrel in his mouth and he pulled the trigger in front of me. He told me, this is how you're going to kill yourself. And I watched him kill himself. And I won't describe the picture, your listeners will understand that. I ran out of the room, grabbed my sisters and brother and and tried to get away so they wouldn't see what I saw. We ran across a a, a gully or a a little creek to an auntie and uncle's house. Uh, We stayed there that night uh, trying to console my mum. And when everybody's asleep, I'm up walking through the house and my uncle calls me into his room to comfort me. And his form of comfort was rape. So he chose to rape me that night. So as a 13-year-old, I've witnessed the worst conceivable thing to participate in. in my mind in my dad's suicide. I'd killed him. And then my uncle raped me. And then my auntie told me that I had done the wrong thing. It was my fault. So that was the cycle. That was what I started from as a base of 13. And
0: there are things we as parents want to protect our children from. Uh, There are some things we want to expose our children to. That's not the sort of thing that we think is a positive thing to expose our children to. And, you know, I know that listeners uh, will be identifying with some of those things that you share, Wendy, because some listeners have been through some pain in their background uh, and perhaps not the same sort of ordeal and trauma that you suffered but many will be identifying with that and uh, feel deeply in your uh, in their own hearts uh, some of the pain that you experienced now the pain stays with you i want to i wonder if you can share with us how the events of a childhood like yours the trauma and uh, the dysfunction of your family uh, shaped your teenage years and your young adulthood I wonder if you can take us into how that actually shapes
3: you. Sure,
2: sure. What, what happened for me from from that minute forward, as far back as I can remember, this is my vision, is that I took control of everything. You know, I, you know, everything happened to me was out of control. So even from 13, I took control. I tried to care for my mom, I tried to care for my siblings. So when things are out of control and you're part of that and the pain and the hurt is so bad, for me, my solution, was to become, dare I say, a control freak in every concept that carried with me right through till I was 34. And that was I needed to control everything. So I knew exactly what was happening around me, even if it wasn't my responsibility. See, I took responsibility for that. Even when I gave evidence in the witness box or the the inquest him to my dad, I covered up for him. And that's what we do when we, we suffer pain or pain that's been inflicted on us. We try and hide it. And we're quite, we're quite often cover up for the perpetrator of that pain.
0: So you have this choice uh, to hide the pain, uh, to hide guilt, to hide shame. And is this where the masks start to come? Because as you say, you, you turned into a bit of a control freak. In other words, things were so out of control, so dysfunctional, uh, you really had to take control. And this is where the the masks begin to form. How do you describe the masks that come from being able or being uh, responsible to try and control the circumstances?
2: I I talk about this a little in my... the robo... The vacuum cleaner's starting here in the corner. Oh,
0: my goodness. (laughs) Talking Uh, talking to you from Darwin today, yes, and uh, you've got an open window. That's okay.
2: There's a lot going on around me, so I do apologise for that. Um... Could I just mute for one minute and I'll fix this? Is that okay, Neil? Or can you hear me?
0: Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you a moment. You go and fix what you've got to fix. Uh, Wendy Burns is our guest. It is live radio. Wendy is on the line with us uh, from Darwin, and uh, she's just looking to fix up some of the issues that are going on in the background.
1: Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. Twenty twenty on Vision.
0: And we're back with author Wendy Burns. Wendy's new book is called Unmask, Stop Hiding, Start Living. Wendy, having shared some of your early story and the trauma that you went through as a young teenager and the way these masks begin to develop, I wonder if you, reflecting on those wounds that you suffer, How important is it to actually acknowledge those things? I mean, uh, people are probably uh, celebrating the fact that you're able to have the courage to be able to talk about your past, but acknowledging those things, sometimes we just think they'll be better to be kept hidden away. What are your thoughts here about acknowledging the wounds?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Neil. And, And we often think that if we keep our wounds hidden, that it's easier because nobody will know the truth. But what happens inside of us, I believe that our wounds become... And it's quite a vivid. Like any any wound that we don't uh, we don't give first aid to, it'll get infected and it oozes through our body. And, and we and I talk a lot about this in my new book about the fact that we camouflage so well uh, the wounds that we hide, uh, and as we hide them, they actually infect us. And so it's so important to be able to. And it, and it can be scary or even fear. You can feel fear. Uh, to think that I have to expose something that I've hidden for so long. And in this new book, I do lead the reader through very gently how to expose that and uh, to themselves and to be able to take some steps to be able to heal.
0: What do you say to the person, Wendy, who says, uh, I've got some of these wounds. I know I can identify them from my childhood, my teenage years. I don't believe they could ever be healed. I don't believe I could ever uh, overcome the pain of those. I suffer that. I have nightmares about it. Uh, I don't talk to anyone. I try to suppress that because I don't really think anyone even cares about my wounds of the past. What do you say to the person who says, I don't think I could ever be healed?
2: Well, number one, you know, the person that does care is our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. He cares about the wounds that we have. We have been damaged by the things that have marked us in the world. And we can be healed. If me, as this 13-year-old little girl that was so traumatised that I tried to take my own life, my mum committed suicide, my two sisters uh, never made it through. So we know that we have the healing power of Jesus is number one. But also in that, we need to take some steps, and it's in the identifying of these wounds that actually enables us to be able to unpack them. and and to take some action to be healed.
0: So when you're carrying the wounds, uh, you might have a contrast that you can share with us here uh, because you know what it's like when you're carrying the hurts and the wounds and the guilt and the shame of your past, and you know what it's like to be on the other side of that and experience the healing. I wonder if you've got any thoughts here of what happens to your life when you've exposed those wounds and some healing is allowed to begin?
2: Oh my goodness, everything changes. You start to see a different perspective. You start to see yourself in a different way because I saw myself for so long as unworthy that I would never be enough, that I was these damaged goods. But as you you start to unpack and you take some action and you have that brave belief and make some great choices. So it is about changing the choices that you're making. You start to see yourself as worthy. You start to see yourself as somebody that is lovable. And and you know who you belong to. That is key in this, knowing who we belong to.
0: You know, uh, John 10.10 10, uh, is a very significant scripture, and a lot of uh, believers will know it. Uh, you know, the devil comes to steal, to kill and destroy but I have come that you might have life and have it to abundance. Uh, there's a sense here in which there's a spiritual dimension that goes on in all of this. And I wonder how you reflect on that uh, from the dreadful trauma that you suffer as a young teenager uh, to God's inspiring and revealing himself to you at a later time. I think it was into your 30s that you came to Christ. But uh, but how do you reflect on on the fact that there is a dimension in there that does want to kill, to steal, and destroy, and we can allow that to happen, or we can choose a different trajectory.
2: Oh, absolutely, and that is so important, Neil. That is such an important question because the enemy of our souls wants us to stay marked. Let's let's be honest. We are in warfare here. He wants us to stay marked and damaged by the trauma, the pain, the heartache, and it doesn't need to be as significant as mine. Even little bits of pain, little bits of heartache, build up and compound. He wants us to stay trapped behind that. He doesn't want us to know or understand that we have this power in the Lord Jesus Christ to be healed, to be fully healed, to be able to live the the way we were created. See, we were all born with a purpose, weren't we, Neil? And the world, the the enemy of our souls works to take us off that purpose.
0: You know, uh, it's interesting that uh, just reading a few things about how you've reflected on this, Uh, you talk about wounds being deceptive uh, deceiving you to short circuit the very plan that God created for you to be i wonder if that deception uh, is works a little bit like an addiction you know you get so comfortable with being wounded and filled with shame and guilt uh, that you don't see any way clear. That uh, almost you find comfort in your own uh, guilt and shame. Is that is that a, a a possible way to to reflect on that too? I'm just I'm interested in your perspective.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Neil. Because we become very comfortable with that mask that we wear, don't we? We become extremely comfortable, and we're, we're deceived by it because we think we're okay because we've got this mask on that says I'm okay. And I wore them for many years. Even after coming to Jesus, it still took me a long time to uh, get rid of those masks.
0: And Wendy, let's get into some hope and healing for listeners here. Some will be really identifying and empathizing with some of the deep difficulties that you've faced recognising that it's not only you know, young women but also young men who face all sorts of trauma in their developing years. And as you mentioned in your book, you take listeners through a gentle process chapter by chapter. So let's come to the way the process works and uh, big achievements that happen one step at a time. Where's a good starting point? We already mentioned, you know, name those things, but where's a good starting point for listeners who are wanting to get some healing and be free from some of those hurts?
2: the starting point is to start to remember let's start with one wound think about one wound that that you have it may be something small and often better to start with something small so you get a win you start to feel like you can you can unpack that a little bit and journaling i found is the greatest thing journaling in the and being in the word of god really just sitting with the lord and looking at okay what is the truth of that wound Quite often, the, the, for me, if I can use that as an example, was that it was my fault that my father killed himself because I handed him the gun. So I needed to start with unpacking that and realising it wasn't my fault. He was the adult, I was 13, I'd handed him the gun. And part of that was forgiveness. So the key for me in all of this was forgiveness, being able to forgive the perpetrator and where I needed to forgive myself for any part that I had in that. Do
0: you find that in forgiveness, uh, you can verbalize a forgiveness uh, almost in mechanical ways, uh, then there's a week or two or a month goes by and you find you've got to reface the forgiveness. Is there a, a certain courage? Is there a certain persistence that you need to have to actually make that forgiveness something that really counts?
2: Oh, absolutely. Sometimes we need to forgive more than once, right? And we, you know, for me, where you can't and you need to be safe that the person's still alive to be able to uh, face to face, um, you know, have that conversation. But I journal many, many times. You know, I forgive them for their part. You know, I forgive, you know, I ask and, and asking the Lord to help you. Uh, in working through that forgiveness. And sometimes, as I said, it's more than once. It can, it may need to be, you know, many times that you've forgiven or you've forgiven over. I have dealt with that, so I'm just, yep, I've forgiven them. So it is just that continual compounding, stepping through those areas that you need to step through on forgiveness. Sorry, I'm... A <laughs> I've got this vacuum cleaner running around my feet. I have to had to relocate. Let me explain to your listeners. I'll feel better. We're having trees chopped down at our house, and I had to relocate to my son's house. And now the automatic vacuum cleaner is running around at my feet. So it's good. Live radio is just amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it, you can't it is. Control, and you can't control any of those things.
0: That's right. I'm not sure how you turn it off either. Maybe that listener I, might have their own thoughts and insights. I, hey. I, our talk back line is open. How do you turn off those vacuum cleaners? Hey, look, if, if, uh, if you can uh, ignore the vacuum cleaner, we'll try not to let it distract us because really the, the, the subject matter we're talking about is so, so important. And uh, to talk about the fact that you might need to revisit that forgiveness Uh, Interesting that you'd even talk about forgiveness because it's not in the narrative that some people have these days. They don't even recognize the power of forgiveness. But having come to Christ and been exposed to this thought of God's forgiveness for us, our forgiveness for others, and the fact that when we forgive, that's actually a healing mechanism for ourselves, when did you realize, Wendy, that forgiveness was actually a useful tool in overcoming some of that guilt and shame and the masks?
2: Uh, for me, honestly, Neil, as I knelt on my lounge room floor the day that I almost took my own life and I reached out to Jesus and I already, let me just go back, I was already sitting in church. I'd already accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I was still contemplating suicide because I still thought that was the only way out. And I had one of my masks rip, rip, ripped off for me. I didn't take it down in the form of losing my job. And in that moment when, and and I felt like my life was over because I no longer had that label, right? So labels are masks. We can wear a label and we can think that makes me who I am. But that's not the truth. And that's that's another conversation. But as I knelt on my lounge room floor that day, thinking about the fact that If I was going to reach out to Jesus, which I did, and he met me in that moment, which was, I am merciful and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I realised then that if I was to get up and move forward, that I needed to forgive my uncle, my father, my mother, for what they'd done to me. Because my healing couldn't start while I carried that pain and that hurt and that anger. And anger just eats away at us. It's another form of trauma. So being able to forgive in that way and, and continually forgive. Over the first few months of all, all of that situation and years, I was continually forgiving them. You know, if it come to my mind, I'd say, no, nope, I have forgiven, I'll go over it again, I've forgiven. I had to remind myself that I no longer had to walk into in the, um, the pattern that I had because we become so inclined to the pattern of victim. And I think that's a good word. We, we we become a victim and we walk in that victim status where we can actually walk in freedom and forgiveness is part of that freedom, Neil.
0: Well, uh, let's take a call just before news, not long out from news. James is in Kyabrum in Victoria. Hi, James. Hey, Neil. Yep, me again. What's the lady's name? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm... Wendy. Wendy is our guest. <laughs>
1: Excuse me, Wendy. Yes, I, I, you probably got some things in your book along this line. For me, that's very big. I read a book, very small book called uh, The Bruises of Satan. And in that, it talks about Jesus being yesterday, today, and forever. And many times, even today, just amazingly, God brought up a situation. When I was 17, my mum was riddled with cancer and she was dying. And the last word she ever said to me was, Oh, God, I hate you. I never got a chance to talk to mum. I walked away from that with a very low self-esteem, thinking if my own mother couldn't love me, whoever could, you know. But today God took me back to that situation just before and said, I say to my mum, I know you're riddled with cancer, mum, but I love you very dearly. And I know that if you were well, you wouldn't say those things because I've always been a and loving son. And I know that that's brought much healing in me today because of what you're sharing And I know that other people can be helped by those situations by going back, letting Jesus take you back and say the words that were suppressed at the time because of the wounding, because of the the trauma, because of the not knowing what to say in a situation where, you know, you were there trying to support your your whatever loved one as much as you could. Um, I gave up my career path to take care of my mum with, you know, schooling. But I I don't regret any of it. I I still love my mum dearly. I'm glad she's in heaven. God understood she was riddled with cancer. She didn't know what she was saying. And orderlies uh, from the church uh, from the church who I've known have said, when people are dying, they strike out at those they love the most. And my mum loved me dearly. She didn't mean what she said. There was the cancer speaking in her. James, oh, I think
0: I've got to cut in here because we've got to go to news, and I won't be able to even get uh, the comment straight away from Wendy. We might hold a thought or two on that. Uh, James in Kaiabram, thank you so much for great input. It is news time. Our special guest is Wendy Burns. Wayne is in Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Wayne. Welcome along. Hey, how are you, mate? Very yeah, well, mate. Wayne.
1: This forgiveness. This forgiveness side of things, before I became a Christian, I never even knew what that was all about. It wasn't important to me. It wasn't until I became a Christian that I can't wait now to forgive people. You know, we all kind of mess up. Well, we might hurt somebody, not bad, but even if it's only small. But the the most important thing that that God taught me out of all that as well was to forgive myself. And uh, it played a big part and had such an impact on me beforehand and um yeah i know how important it is to forgive as well as forgive yourself forgive others
0: wayne great insight there <laughs> uh, let's get a, a a thought or two directly from wendy
2: Uh, Wayne that's so important and forgiving ourselves is key right forgiving the perpetrator but forgiving ourselves and and we feel so much freedom when we do that so it's so important we we often think it's just one-sided but it's not it's two-sided forgiving ourselves for any role that we've had or for holding on to the pain or hurt well done Wayne thank you so much for sharing today Wayne,
0: thank you so much. Our talkback line open, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 You know, when we talk forgiveness, I remember many, many years ago uh, talking to someone who'd studied psychology and in the course that they'd studied... The word forgiveness hadn't even been a part of the curriculum. Now, it's an interesting concept, isn't it? Uh, And Now, I'm not going to say that uh, all psychology courses don't deal with forgiveness. Let's hope there's lots of forgiveness that does get talked about. But when we're talking forgiveness in the context of the Christian believer who comes into relationship with a forgiving God, forgiveness becomes something that we start oftentimes uh, with with a notion. Oh, that's a, a nice concept. You know, God forgiving sins, we're called to forgive one another, but really as a tool in the toolbox for getting things right and for moving to a place of wholeness in our life, forgiveness is so powerful. But as uh, as Wayne was reflecting and as James just before the news reflecting on his mother, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, forgiveness is not a part of your mindset.
2: Uh, your thoughts here, Wendy? Are you right, Neil? And I, the fact that it doesn't come into your mindset if you don't have that relationship with Christ, it almost feels to some, and I've heard some say it's almost a weakness if you forgive somebody for for how uh, they've hurt you or you've been hurt by them. And and we see that when there's been a tragedy and we see it on the news, it's terrible tragedy and it comes to mind immediately, those children that were run down by the driver and the parents immediately, well, as soon as they had an interview with, with the tv or you know media they forgave the perpetrator and they stood and forgave them and and that there is such a power because they knew that they needed to forgive so they could walk free and, and mourn and heal and go through the grieving process and it's the same for us when we're hurt we need to grieve the hurt we need to go through all of that process and it starts with forgiveness such a powerful tool that we all need in our toolbox
0: It's why it makes headlines and uh, the story of that couple who we've had on this program talking about forgiveness. Uh, It makes national headlines when someone actually comes out and says, uh, even though I've lost my children to this driver, uh, that I am choosing to forgive the driver because that choice they recognise is so powerful as part of their own healing. It doesn't do anything to the driver. It does something in the healing in ourselves. Come back to James that we spoke to just before the news, and I didn't really get an opportunity to hear your insights around James and his comments, but you might remember he was reflecting on his dying mother, uh, dying of cancer, and she was angry with God because of her circumstances. How do you uh, process this thought that before Christ in your life, and you have no concept of this forgiveness, the wounds and the masks, these are all often driven by our own personal anger. Any thoughts here?
2: Yeah, and that's a, that was a big story that James shared with us about his mum that she, and I'm, I'm not quite sure whether he meant she hated god she hated christ or she hated him whatever that concept was but when someone is hurting so bad they will often lash out and 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 it sounds like his mum did know the lord and in that quite often we can be angry because we haven't been healed And we're not at peace with what God is doing in our life. And that's a very difficult situation. And but so amazing that James has been able to go back and walk that through with the Lord. And I love that he said that even again today, that that he was led through that with the Lord, that that he was able to work that through so that he's got not only been able to forgive his mum, but being able to forgive himself, I guess, in any way that he carried that. But when we're angry, we say things, and words hurt, words matter. And and I talk a lot about that in my new book, thinking about self-care and and, and how our thinking matters and how our words matter. The things that we say make a difference. When we speak them out, they make a difference, even our anger to God. But God actually copes with our anger, doesn't he, Neil? He understands our anger.
0: (laughs) As James said, and he reflects on his circumstance, he said that was the cancer talking. Mm. And I think that lots of us might be able to reflect on different family members. And I know that some of us with ageing parents can sometimes reflect on uh, the way that some of our aging parents are moving into times when they don't think the same way they used to. And dementia has a way of uh, twisting things and twisting memories and twisting the way that people respond. And sometimes there's an angry response that comes in at uh, people who suffer dementia. So oftentimes it's not the real person talking And yet somehow or other, uh, introducing forgiveness into those circumstances is going to be something of a key that unlocks uh, something beautiful rather than dealing with all of the ugliness. I I mean, beauty and ugly, I mean, that's probably two ways of talking about uh, one side of forgiveness and the other.
2: That's right, yeah. And it takes courage, doesn't it, to unlock that? It takes incredible courage on that behalf of the person that's that is doing the forgiving. Let's talk about what
0: gets resolved when you come to Jesus. And you know, I've heard your testimony before. Uh, you were in your thirties, I think it was, when you came to Christ. So uh, you went through your developmental years as a young woman into your twenties, uh, your career, all sort of on track. And you didn't know Christ. You were wearing these masks. You were sh- mm. you were you were you know shoving aside that uh, that shame and guilt uh, from the past. Give us some insight here into what resolves when you come to Jesus. How do you describe it, Wendy?
2: Oh, it's, it's a great question again, Neil, as always. And I think, you know, we make that decision and we accept Jesus into our heart, right? We've made that decision. But one of the things I didn't realise when I made that decision to accept Jesus was that I actually had to walk that out because I was still, you know, you make that decision, you think you're going to wake up tomorrow and life is going to be different. But you're still in that same circumstance and still in that same life you were when you make that decision. So you're bringing all of the things, the wounds, and what I didn't do, and I want to be really clear with that, I didn't bring all my wounds to the Lord. I just continued to cover my wounds, even though I'm sitting in church, I'm a follower of Jesus I'm bringing, It still got my stinky attitude, which I covered my wounds with, my excessive drinking, my, you know, hurtful words, actions, my, my labels. Oh my goodness, that was a big one for me. My people pleasing, my self-sabotaging and suicidal ideation was still there. I'm sitting in church with all those masks and I'm wearing them and nobody around me knew because I looked like I had it all together because I had not still brought that to Jesus. I was still controlling everything.
0: When you've got the mask on, you feel comfortable to keep it hidden. Uh, it stays with you unless you bring it to God, unless you somehow or other. And, uh, you know, does this happen in a quiet moment or does it happen in a prayer line at your local church? Does it happen in a counselor's room when you go to your pastor in your church or to a counsellor and you want to unload some of these things it stays with you until you bring it out so you know bringing it out wendy any thoughts here about how that process happens
2: well even bringing it out which is great we bring it out it can be in all of those different forms it can be just in your quiet time with the lord where you actually bring it before him and and really asking the holy spirit to reveal with you reveal within you what needs to be worked through and then it still requires us, like for me, attitude. Can I use that as an example? Mm. My attitude was really stinky. Hard to believe that, I know, but I had the worst attitude. Behind my mask when I was out in public, no, but at home I did. And so I needed to work through, I needed to take some action. For me, look at what that attitude was, look at how it was affecting others around me, how it played out. I needed to believe that it would change If i made the right choice so action belief and choice and there are three things that i focus on at the end of each chapter of this new book that we need to take action we need to believe that we can be different and it can be different and and make a choice to step in the right direction and that's working that through with the lord and we have that empowering strength of the holy spirit in us then to be able to help us enable us to walk us through with that
0: First of all, knowing that you can be healed and then uh, I guess you'd call it an aspiration because as you say, come to Jesus, say a sinner's prayer and not everything is resolved. There are some things resolved in heaven, uh, those things resolved before God, yeah. salvation by grace, those are wonderful things that come from God. The rest of our walking and working out of our salvation, uh, the aspiration to be whole if you don't know what it is to have wholeness, uh, you're not going to aspire to it. But when you go into church, when you hear preachers preach, and you hear uh, preachers talking about don't be the victim, be the victor, uh, these sorts of things, having an aspiration to being whole again, unless those things become, uh, uh, you become attuned to those, then you're not going to aspire to them, are you? You have to be able to recognize what a wholeness looks like.
2: Mm, that's right neil and and as i said earlier in our conversation was we are marked like when we're born we're you know we we are born with unique a gift on our life of who we are how god created us to be just like we've been born with an individual set of fingerprints right nobody else has our fingerprints they are who we are and they identify us even in a court of law we're born with a call and a purpose on our life And then we are marked by the world. We're marked by the hurts, the pain, the things that damage us. And that starts to shape who we are and we forget who we were meant to be. And so it's as we are healed, we come back more to the full purpose that we were created to be. And that's the outcome of being healed. As we slowly work things through gently with the Lord, we can become the person we were created to be the day we were born.
0: What a wonderful, profound wisdom in sharing those things because God has intended us to be someone we get waylaid by the circumstances, by the trauma that we face at different times through our lives, getting a focus on who God says we are, our identity in Christ, getting our focus on that, gives us something to aspire to hey we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316 let's take another call alex is in melbourne hello alex welcome
3: oh, hello neil and uh, hello wendy yes neil, hello. the victory is the victory is in christ as you're saying and, and uh, the flesh as we know, read the flesh is uh, through the fall of adam the flesh is against the spirit the spirit against the flesh and And that battle is right to the end, and particularly in the end, death, that's the realm, that's Satan's realm. And people, even Jesus on the cross, even though he had no sin, but he took our sin, and yet, and for that reason, he was, it was beyond him. Father, Father, why have you left me? So this particular, that time is an extremely difficult time. And uh, I was just thinking about James with his mum, and oh, I had the same, print, similar thing. God help us, yeah. God bless you. Bye-bye. Uh,
0: Alex, thank you so much for that input. Interesting as Alex is sharing those things, Wendy, uh, talking about the flesh. Now, mm. sometimes we talk about the flesh, and we talk about things like, you know, the lust of the eyes. Uh, Uh, The greed of the heart, uh, the pride of our life. But what we don't always tend to reflect on is uh, that walking in the flesh and not in the spirit, if you're talking about a contrast here, is that in the flesh you maintain all of those wounds and the masks of the past. And as, uh, as Alex just shared, uh, that ultimately leads to death. Holding on to those things ought not to be our aspiration. Our aspiration ought to be free from those things. Anything further to add on that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and so right on, Neil. This is about dropping, as we drop those masks, holding on to those masks, we walk in that space Uh, And as we drop those masks, we actually open the space to be fully healed. And and that's the life we're created to be. I think it's important to remember, and I know we're we're almost out of time, and I I don't want to forget this today, is that the enemy of our souls will tell us it's safer to stay the way we are, right? It's safer to stay in what we know, in what we're comfortable with. Uh, And we hear this quite a lot, in even in domestic violence situations, as horrible as it was, it's safer because it's what we recognise. And he doesn't have to do much. He creates this fear within us. What happens if you leave? What happens if you drop this mask? What happens if people see the real you? All he has to do is whisper in your ear and say you're not enough, you're not good enough, you won't be able to do it. This is where courage comes into play. And the word tells us to be strong and courageous, to be strong and very courageous. Now, courage for me, and I describe this really well in my new book, it's like a door inside of us, Neil. And if you imagine a door with a handle that only we can open, a door on our side only, there's no handle on your side as I look at you, it's only on my side. For courage and for full healing, we need to turn the knob and open that door of courage. And that allows us to then start to drop those masks one at a time. And I talk a lot about this in my new book, that the movies we play over in our mind, the emotions that tell us lies, you know, the, the importance to keep going and, and the things that we need to think about as we keep going, such as self-care um, and, and how we think and the environment we're in. There's so much involved in our healing. But it starts with one step, doesn't it? One step.
0: Starts with that one step. And yes, there are some steps to build upon. And uh, replacing that old identity, uh, that old uh, sin nature with a new nature. And we don't do this alone, Wendy. Because God promises never to leave us nor forsake us. In fact, he promises to live within us and uh, to give us a new mind. So we've got a new mind, a new identity, a new purpose. And walking in that is what so many Christians will testify to. Hey, we are short of time. I will have to put a line under any more calls. But let's uh, finish on something perhaps of a practical note here. Uh, I know you have some "I choose to know" statements. I wonder how yes. important that might be, just in changing the way we think about and talk about our past and where we're going in our future. How do you describe a, a "choose to know" statement?
2: And these are and these are peppered throughout my my new book, Unmask, Stop Hiding, Start Living. It's it's the things we say to ourselves every day. I choose to know that I can move forward. I choose to know that I can move past my my history. I can choose to open the door to courage. I can choose to step through the door of courage. It's telling ourselves that we make a choice to know that we can do it. So it is that power of choice and it's a choice to know we have this choice in our hands every single day. And, and God reassures us. I, my favourite psalm is Psalm 139, where it says God went behind us to protect us from our past and he's gone before us to make a way for our future. But we need to choose to believe that. And, and that's the importance of I choose to know statements. They're very practical. I've made them extremely practical in this new book. Uh, gentle walking the, the reader through
0: Wendy, you get invitations to speak because, as I mentioned in the introduction, you're an internationally certified Maxwell leadership coach, speaker and trainer. You do consultancy and all sorts of things. And uh, the old Wendy is not a part of what the new Wendy teaches. Uh, You've got a lot of experience uh, in the corporate world and even the hurts that you carried uh, from some of those corporate experiences. But that's changed in the way that you even bring a presentation about the workplace and about success and your identity as you move forward. I wonder, just very quickly, because we are short of time, but uh, those sorts of things, how does this changed Wendy... Actually, overflow into the things that you do today.
2: It overflows, Neil, and thank you for sharing that into everything that I do. Uh, who I am now is not who I was. Who I am now is who I was created to be. Uh, so God has given me a purpose, and that is to speak to the hearts, empower the voice of not only men and women to know that they have the power uh, to be uh, to to live this this world of uh, in this. In this world unhurt and unmasked to live according to the purpose they're created to be whether it's in the workplace in the church in the home and you're right i do get many offers to and, and opportunities to speak within those um, environments can i lead readers to my new book neil on my wendy burns consulting website page there is a, li- um, a little heading that says unmask and the reader can just jump on there and be notified when my book goes up for pre-order which will be in the next 72 hours i think uh and so we're we're ready to launch in january but if anybody's interested this is a god-driven holy spirit written book um this came because my readers asked for more that's how this came about and i'd love to be able to share it with the listeners today
0: Well, I think listeners will be inspired because it's not just a story of your past, but it is also the story of what becomes of your future, and listeners are inspired by the things that you share, Wendy Burns. Uh, Wendy's websites, uh, Wendy Burns Consulting, you might just simply Google Wendy Burns Consulting and uh, to make that pre-order of Wendy's book, uh, no doubt uh, Wendy's earlier book website, remarkableu.com.au will also be a way that you can connect with wendy and uh, perhaps even get that pre-order link there as well the new book is called unmask stop hiding start living uh to be released early january and uh, pre-ordering available in the next 72 hours i think that's what you said wendy but uh, yes. wendy thank you so much for once again just uh, opening up your heart Uh, letting us into uh, the change that's happened in your life. I know so many listeners will be appreciative of you sharing these things. I appreciate you being with us on 2020. It is uh, the last time we'll get to talk this year. Perhaps we'll get another opportunity early in the new year and have you back as a guest. But thank you so much for sharing these things with listeners and uh, the happiest and holiest of Christmases uh, to you and Bill in Darwin. Appreciate you and we'll talk again in the new year.
2: Yes, thank you, Neil, and, and the same to your listeners.